0: Well, good morning. We're glad that you're here today to worship with us as we get to worship our Heavenly Father today on this Lord's Day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to bless all that's done today in our service as we sing, as we pray, as God's Word is read, as we give, and as we respond to the truth. May God be glorified in everything that's done. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for an opportunity to be able to come together and worship you. Lord, each day as we get up, it's a new day and there's new opportunities and new challenges that we face, (coughs) but I'm thankful that you never change. I'm thankful that through everything that we go through, Lord, you are with us. You're there to guide us and to direct us. Lord, you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and you are always good. Today we come to you to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, please work in our hearts today. We need to hear from you. May we go from here not the same as we walked in, but changed to be more made into the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for our church family that's gathered here today. We thank you for the guests that have joined us today. Lord, and as we pause in the midst of all of the craziness around us, may we recommit our hearts and our minds and our lives to you. Father, if there's somebody here today that has never trusted in Jesus Christ, as their personal savior. I pray that today they would understand. They would understand what it means to have a personal relationship with you and that forgiveness for sin is only found through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that's gone into the preparation for today, for the prayer, for the music preparation, for the cleaning and the preparation of the facility. Thank you for each family and each individual who's worked hard even to prepare themselves to come together. And we're here now ready to worship you. Work in our hearts now, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Psalm 16, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O oh, my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after other gods. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel, my reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore.
0: Colossians chapter number 3. I'm not somebody that enjoys getting up early and going running. Maybe you can tell that. Maybe some of you do. Although looking around, I kinda doubt that most of you do. (laughs) The last time I really remember getting up early and running was in college and in high school on a regular, when I was running on a regular basis. And I was doing that because I was playing basketball. And uh, I wanted to be able to run up and down the court, stay in shape. Now I've moved to the level where I've become a legend in my own mind. I found the older I get, the better I was. But back during that time when I was running each and every day, I remember getting up early and about 5.30 sometimes and going out and running so that I could be in shape and and run around. It's early when you're in high school, Joe. He said, that's early? Yeah, it's probably not early for some of you, but it is for a high school student. And I got up to run so that when I got out on the basketball court, I could run up and down the whole game without getting tired. I was motivated to run because I was excited about playing the sport. That gave me the the push to get out of bed and the push to get up and run and the push to exercise and to get my body in shape. You know we all have reasons for why we do things or why we don't do things. Why you do what you do will determine how well you do what you do. You've probably found that. When you have a good reason for why you're doing it and you're really motivated by that reason, you find yourself doing well at those things. When your why is right, the what will often fall into place. It's important for us to start with our why and understand why we're doing things. Now, you may say, well, I came for a Bible message today, and that sounds like the start of a motivational book, business book. And if you were thinking that, you would be correct. Often in this world, people are encouraged to look within themselves to bring about change. We have a world today that says we need to change. There needs to be a change in the system and the way things are done. People say the answer lies within ourselves, or perhaps the answer lies out there somewhere. But rather than following along with the rhetoric that we hear today, I'd rather challenge you with this thought, that the best way to bring about change in you and in the world around you is not to look in or to look out, but to look up. The world says, look within, or look at others and what they're doing. The Bible says, look up, look to God, look to Jesus. This world is looking for answers. Why am I here? Where am I going? What is my purpose? What about the problems of illiteracy, cancer, sickness, Pandemics, racism, violence, and on and on the list could go. How can I rise above my situation and find fulfillment in what I'm doing and make a difference for others? When you look within to find the answer, you will find sin and struggle. You and I don't have enough within ourselves, in and of ourselves, to truly make the difference that this world needs. When you look to the world around you, you will still find the same thing, sin and struggle. In Numbers chapter 21, the story is told of how the children of Israel were dying because they were being bitten by fiery serpents that God had sent in among them to bring judgment on the nation of Israel because of their sin. The answer to this problem was not found within themselves or even outside in the surrounding camp. If you remember the story, the answer was found as God told Moses to erect a snake up on a pole. And this was a picture of God's salvation. He told the people if they would but look up, they would live. Jesus Christ himself referred back to this story in John chapter 3 when he was speaking to Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? He was that religious man, highly educated, a man who knew the Old Testament law backwards and forwards. He was very religious. He looked good on the outside. He followed the commands of the Bible, and yet here was a religious man, an educated man, but a man who didn't have his sins forgiven. And when he came to Jesus by night to ask him questions and to try to understand more about who Jesus was and the message that Jesus brought, Jesus referred back to this story in Numbers 21. Jesus said in John chapter 3 when he was speaking to Nicodemus that the Son of Man would be lifted up and that whosoever would look to him and trust in him would be saved. Look and live. See, the answer to the people's problem back in Numbers 21 was not within themselves. The answer was not in the camp around them. The answer was to look to the Lord. And folks, our greatest need today is found in the Lord. The answer to our greatest need is found in the Lord. I want to help you this morning as you consider why you do what you do and what you're living for. To inspire you, to motivate you, to encourage you, to live the life that God has for you. As we look at this passage of Scripture together in Colossians chapter 3, I want you to consider what you're living for. Let's look there together, Colossians 3 verse 23 through 25. The Bible says this, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong, shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. I want you to consider this thought with me this morning that because our Master, our Lord, is Christ, and because He offers a great reward, you must be motivated by what the Lord has done for you. To work for the Lord with all of your heart for Christ and not for man. I think in these verses we can see four reasons for sure of why Jesus is the reason for living. He's the reason that we live. He's our focus in all that we do. We see the first one in verse 23 when he says, And whatsoever you do, Do it heartily as to the Lord. Jesus is the reason for living because He is the Lord. He's the Lord. He's Lord over all creation. He's Lord over all circumstances. That means that every word that comes out of my mouth should honor the Lord. That means everything I look at should honor the Lord. That means how I spend my time should honor the Lord. That even means what I put into my body should honor the Lord. You must honor the Lord with your money, your time, your words, your thoughts, and your actions. It's all included here. And whatsoever ye Do, whatsoever is a really big word, not just because it has a lot of letters in it, but because it refers to anything and everything that you do, whatsoever you do, he says do it heartily, from the heart with everything that you have. That's somebody that's a motivated person, isn't it? If they're gonna do it with all of their effort. Why? He says, do it unto the Lord and not unto men, as unto the Lord. Jesus is the reason for living because he is the Lord. I don't know why that keeps banging and bumping around. I'm going to give it a couple more minutes and then I'm going to switch a microphone. If that doesn't work, you can bring that one if you want. It's distracting me, so it might be distracting to you. Let's try this instead. I think this is an important message for us today, and that uh, even though we're working through masks and all these other things, those aren't our enemy for the message that God would have us to hear today. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm confident in God's Word and God's Holy Spirit that he has you here today for a reason. And we'll work through microphones that don't wanna work. We'll work through the uncomfortableness that might be wearing a mask on your face. We'll work through the concerns of what sicknesses and viruses may be floating around. Because what God has called us here to do today Is worth it. Coming together to worship God is a privilege. And I would tell you it's a privilege not just because of the country we live in. It's a privilege because of the God that we're worshiping. Often we think as we look in our country at the freedoms that we have and we should be thankful for them and we should exercise them and I think we should stand for them. But we don't have these freedoms just because we live in this country, we have these freedoms because of who God is. And no matter what may come in our country, or in this world, we can still worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, wherever He puts us, in whatever circumstance He puts us, because that's a direct personal relationship with God. And no government, no sickness, no distance can keep us from that opportunity to communicate with God. Because as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have Jesus Christ, who we're about to talk a little more about here as our intercessor, making intercession for us. And we have an almighty Heavenly Father who's in control of all things. Even if you were to lose your life as a Christian, it doesn't take away your ability to worship. In fact, it improves your ability to worship. Paul said it this way, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. May we not think so highly of our lives that we would allow anything to come between our opportunity and our privilege To worship God. Jesus is the reason for living because He is the Lord. The Lord of everything deserves your all in everything that you do. Because He's Lord of all. The Lord of everything deserves more than any man or woman or boy or girl. I think it's very important, though, to make sure we understand what that includes. He says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Now, when I first read this verse, my initial thought is, Yeah, don't don't serve anybody else. Serve the Lord. And I think about all those other people outside that I could be serving. But I think as individuals, perhaps the person we struggle with, in the battle of who we're going to serve and who we're going to worship and who we're going to follow is, generally speaking, not the person out there and over there. It's the person right here. Perhaps we struggle in our self-worship more than struggling with worship somebody else out there. Think about it. Who do we often spend the most time pleasing? Is it somebody out there or is it this person right here? See, he says here, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And I would encourage you as you look at that, Be willing to write your own name in that spot. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto William Randall Cover. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto insert your own name there. See, the Lord of everything deserves more than any other man. Don't live for your personal pleasure, don't live for any other person. Often our living for other people besides the Lord ultimately reverts back to us living for ourselves too, doesn't it? We love to live for the praise of others. Are you doing what you do so that others will notice what you're doing? Or are you doing what you do so that you can give honor and glory to your heavenly Father who is Lord of all? It's easy as a parent to find your fulfillment in your kids. And yet, parents, that's not ultimately where your fulfillment should be found. It's easy in a a marriage relationship or in a dating relationship to try to find your fulfillment in your significant other. And yet, that's not where true joy, happiness, and fulfillment can be found. It's easy even as a pastor, dare I say that, to try to find fulfillment in what your church thinks about you and while it is encouraging and exciting to see what God is doing in people, if I find my fulfillment in people and not in the Lord, I have exchanged the eternal for something that's just temporary. He says, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. There was a great missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor. Maybe you've heard of him. God used him in a mighty way to take the gospel to China. He was the founder of what's known still to this day as the China Inland Mission. Thousands upon thousands of missionaries have gone and served and Tens, probably hundreds of thousands over the years have trusted Christ as a result of the work of these missionaries. Hudson Taylor went when it wasn't popular. He went when it wasn't easy. He went when everybody else wasn't going. He was one of the first. And he made this statement later on as people were discussing with him and asking him, "How, how do you know that you can go and how can you do these great things? And Hudson Taylor said this, God is either Lord of all, or He is not Lord at all. Think about that statement for a minute. He is either Lord of all, or He is not Lord at all. Folks, may we not treat our Lord, our our God, as just another one of many gods that we can pick and choose our allegiances when they so meet whatever desire or fancy we have at that moment. But that whatsoever we do, we would do heartily as to the Lord, the one Lord, and not unto men. Jesus is the reason for living because He is Lord of all. Number two, look at the next verse. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Here we find our second reason for why Jesus is the reason for living. Why He is our motivation for everything we do. Not only is He Lord of all, but also He's the reason for living because He gives great rewards. He calls this reward, though, something very specific. He says the reward of the inheritance. I think this is important to consider what this inheritance is and why it's so special. This reward is an inheritance because it cannot be earned. It can only be received. What we earn is not an inheritance. In fact, the Bible says what we earn by our actions is death. Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death. The payment for what you've done is death, it's separation from God. We don't often like to think of things in such a stark way, right? This seems very harsh and cold don't think of it as harsh and cold i think of it as being very clear don't live your life just sort of hoping to get by or trying from day to day to say well what am i motivated by today what's going to help me today no Rather, it's much better to have the clarity of God's Word to be able to guide and direct us for each choice we make, each decision we make, so we don't have to go through wondering, well, should I do this or not do that? Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. This inheritance can only be received. It cannot be earned. The Lord gives life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Eternal life is the greatest gift in all of the world. Not only does He offer us eternal life, but He's preparing a place for us called heaven. And I think it's important for us to understand that that's an additional benefit of this inheritance. I think it's possible that God could give you eternal life without giving heaven and yet He's never done that. He's always promised that eternal life comes with heaven. Anything but hell would be a wonderful thing. But we are not just His servants, we are His children. We've been brought into the family and become recipients. Of an inheritance. People get excited when they think about getting an inheritance. I've known of people that that's what they had all their hope in for their future financial security was an inheritance. I'm so thankful that God has offered to us an inheritance that the Bible says fadeth not away, and it's reserved. In heaven for you and for me that's a great inheritance isn't it an inheritance that's offered to you from your Almighty Heavenly Father who has the ability to give it and he never goes back on his promise who has the ability to fulfill what he's going to say and nothing no circumstance no situation could ever change that you and I have all been promised things by different people who were well-meaning people But they didn't follow through on their promise because some unknown, unforeseen circumstance took place and they weren't able to follow through. Doesn't mean they didn't want to. Doesn't mean they had all the desire in the world to. They just couldn't for some other extenuating circumstance. But our Heavenly Father never has extenuating circumstances. Do you understand that? He he never has an unforeseen circumstance that surprises Him. When He says... He's giving us an inheritance. He's giving us an inheritance. What a tremendous reward He offers to us that God would redeem sinners, His enemies unto Himself, forgive them of their sins, and make them heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Have you considered that lately that the Bible says that we've been made joint heirs with Christ? that Jesus Christ has an inheritance and we do as well? I don't deserve to be put on that level. None of us does. What a great gift He's given. When we look around at this world, we see some people who will get a large financial inheritance someday. and We see others who won't. We often think of this world in terms of the haves and the have-nots, right? But in Christ... We have everything that we need. We have this gift of eternal life and we have this gift of heaven to look forward to. What a privilege it is to serve the Lord and how Jesus must be and should be the motivation for everything that we do. So why are you living your life for yourself? Why are you living your life for the things of this world? Jesus Christ is our Lord. Jesus Christ is the one who gives great rewards, this reward of this inheritance, not only can this inheritance be received and not earned, but this inheritance also, it's completely undeserved. I don't deserve it, neither do you. God doesn't owe you anything. When you consider your sin and His great salvation you will understand that it is not God that owes you anything, but rather it is you that owes God everything. Yeah. Part of our problem is we walk around thinking that somehow God owes us or something, somehow this world owes us. Don't believe that lie. But that's a, a typical thing if you pay attention to what is being marketed into our culture today. You should buy this because you deserve this. You should take care of yourself because you deserve it. You ought to have this thing because it's your right. You should vote for me because I'm going to give you the things that are your right to have. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above. From the Father of lights, among whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Folks, may we step back long enough to realize everything we have comes from God. Gives you a good reason for living, doesn't it? We shouldn't be confused in our purpose. We shouldn't be confused in our motivation. And yet so often people are confused or just don't know. This inheritance is undeserved. Why would you live for someone or something that won't give you anything of value when your Lord will give you the reward of the inheritance, which is life with Christ and heaven for eternity? I love the song that says, Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace. Grace, infinite grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. God's grace is greater than your sin. I know you don't deserve it. Neither do I. I'm not standing up here as the one to... Tell you what to do because I have it all figured out. No, we're here together to open God's word and say, Lord, you're our Lord. What do you want us to do? Lord, with everything that I have, I want to do it heartily to you. Not for myself, not for any other person, but for you. You gave your life for me. You died on the cross in my place. You paid a debt that I could not pay. And you've given me an inheritance that I could never earn for myself. Why would you serve anything else or anyone else than the Lord? But folks, I realize this makes sense, I think. From what I can tell from your facial expressions and your nods and smiles, You understand what I'm saying. I understand what I'm saying. But I understand tomorrow is a different day than Sunday. It's called Monday, right? And you go home and someone in your family or somebody in your house is going to say something that you don't like or is going to cut you the wrong way and you're going to lash out. You say, how do you know that about us? Because I do the same thing. Because we're sinners, but I'm so thankful for First John one nine. Amen. It says, "If we confess our sin, He is faithful to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Don't believe the lies of this world and the lies of the devil that say you're stuck where you are and there's nothing you can do to get out of that mess. See, that's a partial truth. You are stuck and there's nothing that you on your own, in your own strength can do. But there's nothing that He cannot do. He took us out of the miry clay, out of the horrible pit and He set our feet on a rock, the Bible says, and He established our going. That means He says this is the path. This is where you're supposed to go. This is what you stand upon. This is the solid rock on which we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus Christ is the reason for living because He's Lord of all. He's the reason for living because He gives rewards of a great inheritance. Jesus Christ Thirdly, is the reason for living because He is the Christ. We're reminded of that in verse 24 when He finishes off by saying, For ye serve the Lord. He's not just the Lord. He's the Lord Christ. You say, well, I've heard that word used a lot. What does that even mean? The word Christ is a word that means the anointed one. It even refers back and gives the idea back from that Old Testament idea of the Messiah. Say say, who is the Messiah? He was the promised one. And in fact, if you go back in your Bible, He was promised clear back in the beginning in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. And oh, we like to get frustrated with Adam and Eve. Boy, if they hadn't eaten that fruit, if they hadn't done it, boy, we'd have a lot better place. It's nice to be able to blame someone else for your problems, isn't it? We live in a world that likes to do that even to this day. Problem's not in me. The problem's out there. Well, just like the answer's not in you, the answer's not out there either. It's up there. You say, in the attic? No. Correct. With the Lord. It's found in His Word. He is the Christ. This Messiah was promised. What was He promised? Well, He was promised as the one who would come to take the place of you and me and every person who ever lived when He died on the cross for our sin. He took your place. I was thinking about a song this morning. I was trying to pick it out on the piano and I need to practice it some more. Before I can sing it, I was talking about it with somebody in our church the other day. The title of the song is, I Should Have Been Crucified. And I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. I was guilty with nothing to say. They were coming to take me away. The crown of thorns was meant for me that day. I'm so glad that Jesus came to take my sin away. I should have been crucified. You serve the Lord Christ. Isn't it wonderful to think that we get to serve the greatest servant of all? Getting to serve the greatest servant is more of a privilege than a duty, if you think about it. I've seen it. I've been there. I've been in the delivery room as my wife was giving birth to our children. Do you know what I wanted to do? I want to be able to serve her in any way possible. Because she was going through all of that. And I got to enjoy the benefit of having those children. Do you need me to rub your feet? Do you need me to get you some ice chips? Do you need me to hold your hand? Ouch, stop squeezing so hard. Yes, honey, it is my fault. I know. No, we didn't say that. <laughs> Why do you do all that? Because of what she's going through with you and for you. It's a great privilege to serve one who has done so much for you. It's not a duty to serve somebody who's serving you. It's a privilege. It's it's an opportunity. In fact, it's a blessing. It's it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know that to be true. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Oh, I'm so glad I'm included in that many. I'm glad that you can be included in that many. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're included keep thinking of songs this morning. There's another great one. He included me. He's included you. He died for your sin. He wants to save you. Have you trusted in Him? Jesus Christ is our reason for living because He is the Christ. And finally this morning, Jesus is the reason for living because he is not a respecter of persons. Look at verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Now, if you Look at the broader context here in Colossians chapter 3. He's speaking right in these verses to servants and their masters. Think about this. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Colossae. In that church would have been men like Philemon, a wealthy man, and a man like Onesimus, a slave. Slaves and masters in the same church? Mm Mm-hmm. See, it was no longer just slaves and masters. Now they're family because they're in Christ. Yes, there are problems in this world. But there is no problem that our Savior cannot fix. How could He bring all these together and put them in one place? Because they had one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father in all, it's our Lord. He's not a respecter of persons. Think about this as he's writing this letter. We know that later, and you can read this in the book of Philemon, it talks about how Paul is exhorting Philemon to receive this former slave back, and Onesimus had most likely stolen money. We know he'd at least run away from Philemon. We think he's also stolen money because Paul offers to repay what Onesimus had owed him. Onesimus is caught. He's thrown in prison. That's where he meets Paul. Onesimus hears the gospel. He comes to Christ. And now Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon. and He says, but don't take him in as a slave. Take him in as your brother now. If you think about that, perhaps there was somebody else sitting in the church at Colossae that day when they heard this letter read. He said, well, look, Onesimus got away with this, so that means I can do whatever I want. No, that's why he has verse 25 here. He that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. Onesimus still had to go to jail for what he had done wrong. This is also not an excuse for a master to take advantage of somebody else. See, in our world today, just like in the ancient world back then, there was always that division, right? The haves and the have-nots, the rich and the poor, the masters and the slaves. And you were granted certain rights and privileges if you were of a certain status or class. In Christ... He breaks down all those barriers. In fact, He says it this way, there's no difference between Jew or Greek or bond or free. We're one in Christ. I've said this here before, but I think it bears repeating. I want what brings us together here Not to be our particular opinion about something, not to be just the fact that we all had very similar experiences growing up, not to be the fact that we all think identically about everything, but rather that we all worship the same Lord. And then we realize that as He is our Lord and the greatest priority, the greatest reason, the greatest giver, the greatest Savior that there ever could be, that we would put all of our effort into making Him known and lifting up His name in this community and in this world. God's put you here for a reason. He's put this church here for a reason. But so often, we get caught up trying to please ourselves, trying to please this person over here, asking ourselves, well, if I do this, what are they going to think about this? Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, I want to do everything heartily with everything I have to the Lord and, and not unto men. Because I'm going to receive the reward of the inheritance from you. Not from myself. Not from these other people. A reward comes from the Lord. And He is not a respecter of persons. Every person that sins deserves death. Rich, poor, poor every culture, every ethnicity, and the Bible's clear, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All will pay the penalty for their sin unless the blood of Christ is applied to their account, and then Jesus Christ, His blood covers all. You will receive what you deserve. Some think they can avoid punishment because of their status. This is not true. Sin always has consequences. Sometimes we feel like when we're being punished that somehow we receive something that was unfair to us. Here's what the devil likes to do. When you're going through something hard or some difficulty or some pain, he likes to bring other people around you and you look at them and say, why is their life so easy and my life so hard? It's not fair. Why do they get some benefits that I don't get? you've got your eyes on the wrong thing. They're on the wrong person. When you live for Jesus and He's the reason for living, some may do right, some may do wrong. It shouldn't affect what you do for the Lord. Some may praise you, some may call you bad names and hurt you, but, but it shouldn't change what you do for the Lord. Some may come along with you and say, let's go and do this together. Others may pull back and say, I don't want any part of that. But it shouldn't change what we do. We should do all to the Lord. Because your master is Christ and because he offers great rewards, you must work with all your heart for Christ and not for men. So why are you doing what you're doing? So, I don't know why. That's an answer we hear sometimes, right? If you have children, you've probably heard that. Why'd you just do that? Don't know. Not knowing is a reason in and of itself, isn't it? Because he's given us the reason right here. So, if someone were to ask you about your choice, or what you just said, or what just went through your mind, or how you're going to spend your time this week, or what you're going to put your energy into, or what you're going to meditate on, what you're going to allow into your body. Could you say, honestly, before the Lord, Lord, whatsoever I'm doing, I'm doing heartily as to the Lord, not unto men. God's not a respecter of persons. He wants your all. He deserves your all. And I think He gives us great reasons for us to give Him our all. Maybe God's spoken to your heart about something this morning. You say, if I'm honest, when I look at my own heart, my own life, there are some things, I've given God some, but I haven't given Him all. Remember what Hudson Taylor said, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Ask God to speak to your heart this morning and say, God, show me what I've been holding on to and keeping back for myself. God, examine my motives and my reasons behind what I do and point out the things that need to change in my heart because, Lord, it is my desire that I do all for you. I believe this is the kind of daily confession and daily walk that we need with the Lord. Because you'll hear it today and I'll hear it today and then we'll go out tomorrow and we'll probably fail. That's why His grace is sufficient. Look to Him for the strength that you need. Go back, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, give me strength. I I can't do this on my own. The pressures are too great. The burdens are are wearisome. I, I don't think I can make it. Lord, I'll walk with you step by step. Give me the strength to do everything heartily to the Lord and not unto men. Father, help us. You've given us a task here. You've given us great motivation for this task. But even in spite of our best efforts, we still fall far short. Lord, I pray that this morning each person that's listening to this message online or here in person with us would examine their heart. They would confess their pride to you. And realize that the things they're holding on to, it's because they want to please them. They want to keep themselves comfortable rather than do everything for you. Lord, you deserve it, you're our Lord. Lord, you give us great rewards. There's this great inheritance laid up for us that you give freely to us. You are the Christ. You shed your blood on the cross to pay for our sin. And Lord, you're not a respecter of persons. There's no special privileges because of some person's status or birth order. Lord, everything we have is found in You. Help us to follow You today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the piano plays, I want to invite you, if you're able to stand to your feet, I want to invite you to come and to pray and to confess to the Lord that you would give Him your all. The piano's playing a song right now called, All to Jesus I Surrender All to Him I Freely Owe Can you really say that and mean that? Give it to Him. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender
1: all.
0: Yes, this is a formal time when we're talking about surrender and giving it all to the Lord. But I realize, too, that this is a process We can say in a moment, Lord, I'm giving it all to you, but then to actually go through actually doing that is a day-by-day, step-by-step thing. I want to help you in your walk with the Lord, not just challenge you on Sunday. But as a church, we want to come alongside of you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and pray with you and help you, encourage you, keep you accountable to what God has said. Just a moment after this invitation is done, if there's a way that we can help you or encourage you or something in some way, I'm going to give you a way that you can contact us and let us know. You can talk to me after the service. You can talk to one of our other folks that was up here singing and leading and doing some of those things earlier. Take one of the ladies aside, if you're a lady, and say, I, I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to help me. I want to walk with the Lord. I think in the days as we continue to go forward, we're going to find it more and more challenging in our own strength to do what we have to do. Our our culture is not moving towards encouraging a Christian faith and expression of it. Rather, there's discouragement of those things. It may not be popular to do what's right, It may not be easy to do what's right. It may not be acceptable to do what's right. But we can do what's right with the Lord's help. And following the Lord is the greatest thing of all because not only does He bless us and help us in this life, but He's given us eternal life. No matter what comes in this life, it's, as the book of James says, just a vapor. It's just like a breath. It's here for a little time and then it vanishes away. Don't live your life for this life. Live your life for the next. Because that will last for eternity. Father, I pray that each person this morning would surrender all to You, would give their life to You, would walk with You. That You would be their Lord, not just with their lip service, what they say with their mouths, but with their actions in their life. We love you in Jesus' name I pray, amen.